On today's show, the Houston Rockets miss out on the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes. They land the number four overall pick in this year's NBA draft. Why it's not the end of the world, why and how Scoot Henderson might actually still be in play for the Houston Rockets and what they should ultimately do with this pick, right? Should they draft somebody at four? Can they trade up? Do they trade down? A lot of options with pick number four. We're going to talk all about it today on Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two... One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I want your comments. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your frustrations, your joyousness, whatever, whatever your emotions and reactions are to the Rockets landing the fourth overall pick. Tell me all about it in the YouTube comments. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Man, what a day, what a night, what an hour, what a buildup to the announcement, the NBA draft lottery is always such a crazy experience to, to, to have to dig through and wait and see where that Rockets pick is ultimately going to land. Come out, It came out at number four this year. And that's a really interesting spot to be in. It's not the best spot to be in. It's also not the worst spot to be in. And we're going to unpack what that means on today's show. And that's going to be very clearly the main focus for us here over the next month or so leading into the NBA draft is what in the hell do the Rockets do with this pick, man? Do they keep the pick? Do they try to trade up? Do they try to trade back into the draft? Do they trade down and try and recoup an asset? What are the options available for the Rockets? And we're going to explore a lot of these preliminary reactions in today's episode. But I just, (laughs) going through that process, man, the roller coaster of emotions to be sitting there, you go through and you make it through the first, uh, you know, what is it, 10 picks, and you make it to the commercial break, right? That's the that's the mountaintop. Because you're just like, okay, just make it through. The, okay, card flips at seven. Okay, it's not the Spurs. Okay, yes, yes. Like we're all excited and freaking out. And you make it through the final card, and you're thinking, and you see the Pistons flip at five. Which side note, oh, the poor Pistons, man. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna feel bad for them, but like it's it's gotta be brutal over there. Um, I'm just, I'm still kind of navigating my own 
I'm still I'm still in kind of in pseudo shock and processing everything. So I'm gonna try to be as focused as I can on today's episode. Sorry if it's gonna be a little erratic or you know more erratic than usual, I should say. But you make it through. So you had your head. You have that high, right? You're like, okay, we made it past pick five and pick six. Awesome. And then you go into the commercial break and you're like, okay, okay, you know, still a chance. The hope is still alive, all that. You come straight back from the commercial break, first card that flips over, rockets. And you're like, oh, like it just, it zapped. And then from there, I my gut told me, my gut told me for the longest time that Wimby was going to be a spur. And of course, of course, it happened. You see the third card flip. Portland, and that's between Charlotte and San Antonio, and you're like, dude, all right, here it goes. Charlotte gets two, Spurs get one. Of course, the Spurs got Wimby, right? You know, for everybody who thinks it's rigged, it's not. I know it's fun to make jokes about it all and whatever, and um, even I was out there making jokes after the fact, saying, "Look, he's he's look look he's bag at Bulbul, okay? Didn't want him anyways." <laughs> All this copium on today. Look, there's probably some of what we're going to talk about on today's episode is going to sound like copium, which it might come off that way. It's really kind of not, though, with pick number four because Wimby was always the grand prize. Like, but there was always just a 14% chance at getting Wimby. And, you know, only one team can walk away with Wimby. And being in that next tier of teams is not actually the absolute worst thing in the world and I want to get into some of those reasons here in just a moment but when we look at I think when you when you zoom out a little bit and you take a look at the Rockets rebuild as a whole right this this three-year process that they committed to and first off they set they accomplished what they set out to do they were bad for three years and they got three years of top four picks that's incre- that's that's incredibly lucky, right? They got pick number two, then they got pick number three, and then in perfect order, they got pick number four. That's really tough to pull off in three straight years. So if you could rewind time and tell Rockets fans at the very beginning of this rebuilding process, the moment James Harden left, that, hey, over the next three years, you're going to walk away with the second overall pick, the third overall pick, and the fourth overall pick in the next three drafts in a row, Every single Rockets fan that I know would absolutely immediately say, yes, hell yes, sign me up. That's incredible. That's a great spot to be in. I know it stings a little bit because it's like, oh, you missed out on Wimby. Oh, maybe Scoot Henderson's going to be off the board. You don't get him at number two. Yeah, that part hurts a little bit. Scoot still might be in play. There's optimism. There's hope. There's silver linings. I'm going to get to them. But 2-3-4 is a great spot for this Rockets team as far as how the rebuild has gone. And now... The onus is on the front office to make something out of this because at the end of the day, pick being able to have and say that you walked away with picks two, three, and four, that is more than enough. In addition to the other assets the Rockets have had along the way, trading for Alper and Shingun, pick 17, turning into Tari Eason, pick number 20 this year, the 60-plus million in cap space this offseason, that is more than enough to build a viable team, a good team, and the Rockets already nailed step one in the equation, right? They went out and they got the be- arguably the best head coach on the market in Ime Udoka. 
And so while it would have been amazing to be able to pair Victor Wimanyama with Ime Odoka, the Rockets are still in an incredible spot moving forward with a lot of young talent, and they're going to be just fine. And honestly, at the end of the day, the very first time we see Amon Thompson dunk over Wimby, it's going to be amazing. No, I'm, I'm, I kid, I kid. But on that note, I do want to talk about the possibilities with that fourth overall pick. Should the Rockets trade the pick? Should they just keep it? Who might be available at pick number four? Why is it not a guarantee that Scoot Henderson is going to be off the board by the time pick number four shows up? There's a lot to unpack regarding all of that, and we're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Look, I'll be completely honest with you guys. Uh, I wasn't a shorts guy until I found Bird Dog. Like, I, you know, I'd wear them if I was going to the gym or whatever, but, like, I wouldn't just wear shorts, like, out and about willy-nilly. You ask anybody, you know, friends, family of mine, they'd be like, hey, have you ever seen Jackson wear shorts? I'd be like, Jackson shorts? No. Right? I'd basically, I'd wear jeans, you know, slacks, sweatpants, whatever, something from, like, hip to ankle, basically, to cover up my leg because I never felt, like, like confident or, like, comfortable wearing shorts in, like, different, you know, like, out with friends or, like, on a date, that kind of thing, until I found bird dogs. Bird dogs, they look incredible. They're super comfy. I mean, they've got, like, this nice, like, stretchy waistline. They look great. So many different styles to choose from. Honestly, they are some of the best shorts that I've ever owned. They're the only shorts that I own outside of, you know, basketball shorts, but they're so versatile. You can wear them for a beach day. You can go to the pool in them. Again, you can wear them out, hanging out with friends, go out on dates in them, all that good stuff. And if look, if you don't believe me, then you need to go check them out. Give them a try for yourself. Prove me wrong. They're going to be the most comfortable, best shorts you've ever owned. And right now you can head to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter promo code locked on NBA, they'll even throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every single order. So go check Check them out. Go order yourself a pair of the most comfortable shorts you will ever own. Birddogs.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we unpack what this number four overall pick means for the Rockets moving forward. So many different angles and avenues to explore with what the Rockets could do with this pick. And we're going to get into some of that here in just a second. But for the masochist in me, I did have to, you know, explore this and, and it hurt a little bit finding this out. But when you look at the outcome of the draft, the slot right that the San Antonio Spurs found themselves in uh, by result of losing the coin flip with the Houston Rockets is what guaranteed them Victor Wembanyama. So had the Rockets, so I mean, you know, it's you know playing butterfly effect with the whole thing, right? You can look at it. Had the Rockets actually lost the coin flip with the Spurs, then they could have gotten their hands on Wimby. That part hurts a little bit. Um, the Rockets came up in just just shy of the necessary number to actually land Victor Wembanyama, as reported by Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle, who was actually in Chicago in the drawing room when everything was taking place. And the Rockets were one ping pong ball away from the needed combination to land Victor Wembanyama to land the number one overall selection. And apparently, uh, Clay Allen, the general counsel for the Houston Rockets, uh, who was in the drawing room, he was the representative for the Rockets at the time, uh, as they were going through the numbers and calling out the ping pong balls and all this stuff, uh, he actually, when the last ball was drawn, he actually leaned over to the Spurs representative and said, hey, I think that's, I think that's you. I think you won. Uh, so just 
one bounce away, if you will. Oh, all right. It happened. We move on. So with that, why is it not the end of the world? Why am I not, you know, I was disappointed, and I still am, that they didn't get Wimby, and I'm a little frustrated that they didn't even luck out with the number two overall pick, because it could just be, you know, very clean, all said and done. Hey, take Scoot Henderson, great consolation prize, awesome, let's go, right? First off, of the scenarios that involve the Rockets not getting one of Victor or Scoot outright in this year's draft, and of the scenarios where the Rockets did land at number four, this has to be arguably the best one because the two teams that are actually ahead of the Rockets right now in the pecking order with the Charlotte Hornets at number two and the Portland Trailblazers at pick number three is fantastic because those teams already have point guards. LaMelo Ball with the Charlotte Hornets and Damian Lillard with the Portland Trailblazers. And when you look at what those organizations are, A, when you look at what those organizations need, and B, when you look at what those organizations are likely to do in this year's draft, there should be a not inconsequential amount of optimism that Scoot Henderson might actually fall down to pick number four. It's it's not as guaranteed as having the number two overall pick and basically being like, hey, we're just going to take Scoot Henderson. It's not that cool, but it's very much still in the cards at this point. In fact, the best way to probably look at this is, right, Victor is in a tier by himself, right? He's guaranteed going to San Antonio. The Spurs can't outright come out and say, yeah, we're taking Vic, like, you know, so, but it's a foregone conclusion, right? So basically, ignore that number one overall pick. The draft really starts with the Charlotte Hornets. And we kind of found ourselves in this pickle last year with the third overall pick. And up until five minutes before the draft, Everybody thought it was going to be Paolo Bancaro at pick number three. And then things shuffled around last minute, and Jabari Smith Jr. wound up falling. The consensus number one overall pick for the entire draft cycle wound up falling to the Rockets at pick number three. So all I'm saying is here, don't get any hangups about who's going to go where, any guaranteed picks, or this team is definitely picking this guy, or this team is definitely picking this guy. What it is worth noting is that there is, again, I think, Scoot Henderson is kind of in his own tier, right? And then there's everybody else in, like, tiers after that, right? Or or you put maybe Brandon Miller and, like, Amon Thompson in a tier of their own, and then there's, like, the next tier of guys. But basically, there's three guys to choose from here in this next tier. And it's the Hornets, the Blazers, and then the Rockets just kind of find themselves, again, just like last year, at the back end of that next tier or set of tiers if you want to put Scoot Henderson in his own tier between Wimby and, and those other two guys. But I just don't, like, I don't expect the Hornets to take Scoot Henderson, number two overall. Especially because there's been enough dialogue, enough discussion, enough discourse about Brandon Miller and the chances of him actually going number two overall and, and being a better prospect than Scoot Henderson. Again, I still don't buy that, but it's very it's a very realistic possibility that there's organizations that are doing their draft research and have looked into it, and they're like, no, we, we're really high on Brandon Miller internally. That's a possibility. It's also very, very possible that there's teams out there that are really high on guys like Amon Thompson and 
Jairus Walker, who might actually reach a little bit, right? We see this happen seemingly every year where there's a bit of a reach, right, with maybe, you know, Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey or go back to Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. It's like every year there's a team that reaches a little bit at the top of the draft for a guy that maybe shouldn't have gone where he did or maybe should have gone a few spots lower. And maybe the Rockets are the benefactors of that reach this year. But the way that I see it right now is they could very easily just keep that number four overall pick. No movement whatsoever. And just be content with whoever is left out of Scoot Anderson, Brandon Miller, and Amin Thompson. That's not a bad spot to be in. It's not Victor Wembanyama, but it's also still an incredible spot to be in if you're a rebuilding franchise and you're adding yet another young, talented player. So again, some of this is going to sound like copium, but it's just, I think it's more so a steady dose of reality about the situation. Now for me personally, I rank those prospects very specifically in that order, Scoot, then Brandon Miller, then Amon Thompson. And I've got some serious concerns about Amon Thompson, right? He can't shoot. If he could shoot, he'd be the best prospect in this class, not named Victor Wembanyama, but he really can't shoot. So that's kind of concerning, right? He's, you know, an insanely, you know, freak athlete guard, 6'7", good wingspan, projects to be an insane defender, you know, great court vision, elite playmaker, all that great stuff, right? But if he can't shoot the basketball and if you have no semblance of a shot, which right now he kind of doesn't, that's concerning. Now, maybe he can turn that, maybe he can turn it around. Maybe he turns that shot, maybe he's able to develop a shot and he becomes the best player not named Wimby from this draft class. That's a possibility. He has the highest ceiling of anybody outside of Wimby in this class. So that's still a really enticing possibility at pick number four. But if you're the Charlotte Hornets, I feel like Brandon Miller makes a lot of sense for them at number two. And then if you're the Blazers, that's the real wild card in this entire situation. What are the Blazers going to do? I proposed this on the Bird app. What the Blazers should do is draft Scoot Henderson and then trade Damian Lillard. That's what they should do. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think what they're going to do is shop that pick and hold on to Damian Lillard and run it back again one more time with him at the helm. And we're going to talk about what that means, the impact there, if the Blazers are going to shop the pick, how the Rockets might be able to get involved with that and all that good stuff, all the different permutations of what the Rockets could do to trade up in this year's draft or potentially trade back if trading up is not a possibility. We're going to talk about that in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball. All right, so... That you could just let fate play out if you're the Rockets and just take whoever's left over at pick number four. Or again, you could take fate into your own hands and steer the direction of the franchise. Look, to me, Scoot Henderson, to me, is clearly the second best prospect in this draft. And if you have, if you have even a remote chance at trading up with the Charlotte Hornets for pick number two or trading with the Portland Trailblazers for pick number three and having a chance to actually select Scoot Henderson yourself, you don't leave that up to chance that he might fall to pick number four. 
if you think he's your guy, you go out there and you go get your guy. Just like the Rockets identified Ime Odoka as their guy and they got it done and they signed him and they locked him up as far as their coaching situation goes, that's the level of aggressive pursuit that I'd like to see out of how they handle this draft. Now, internally, I don't know where necessarily where their evaluations are of these guys. I know that they very much viewed this draft as a one-player draft. Victor Wiminyama, you know, basically Victor or bust, and that, you know, anything, you know, Anything could be on the table if they didn't get the number one overall pick, right? They could have gotten the number two overall pick and possibly still explored trading it. So I don't think they had any preconceived notions about, oh, well, we're going to do this if this or this if this. It's basically, all right, we wanted Victor. Okay, didn't get Victor. Now the field is open. Anything could happen. So with the teams available, Charlotte Hornets, maybe they take Brandon Miller. Maybe not. Maybe Maybe they're willing to trade down to pick number four. And the Rockets can go up to pick number two and actually take Scoot Henderson. Again, there's there's variations of this that would match. And I guess the, the closest uh, parallel to draw here is when the Dallas Mavericks got uh, Luka Doncic, right, by trading with the Atlanta Hawks. Some kind of a trade like that where you get, the, you get the guy you want, the other team gets the player they want, you recoup an additional asset, that kind of thing. The Rockets could very easily be in a position like that. And the example I want to use here is with the Portland Trailblazers because, again, they every indication from the Blazers organization is that they're going to want to run things back with Dame. Again, they should just blow it up and hit the reset button and be very content with a future of Scoot Henderson and... Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons and that like that's an insane backcourt to kind of start your rebuild with. And then they could offload Dame and have just insane draft capital for whatever you can get for Dame. Now here's the problem is for Portland to be able to trade Dame, there has to A be a team out there that believes they are a Damian Lillard, a Damian Lillard away from title contention. And then B, that team also has to have the subsequent draft capital to fork over for Dame. Because while Dame is not Kevin Durant, if you trade Dame right now, you should still be able to get like, you know, four first, three swaps, or like three first, three swaps. Like you should be able to get like that type of like insane pick haul package, right? If Rudy Gobert can get you what he did last summer, Dame can easily match that total, depending on how desperate somebody is. But that team has to have that draft capital to make it happen, right? So I think the far more likely route is that the Blazers just run it back and that they trade that number three overall pick to get an impact player, somebody who can help them out right away and run it back again with Dame. That's where, if you're the Rockets, enter Houston, you try and get involved as a third-team facilitator. And the suggestion that I'm running with right now, and I'm gonna co- we're going to come up with so many different trade hypotheticals between now and draft night, but I think this one makes a lot of sense for all parties involved. I mean, I've even pitched it to a couple Blazers guys, a couple Nets guys, and I've gotten good reviews on both sides of the fence from this. Mikhail Bridges goes from the Brooklyn Nets to Portland. The number three overall pick from Portland comes to Houston. And then Houston sends their number four overall pick and the 2024 Nets pick back to Brooklyn. So basically, Brooklyn is trading Mikhail Bridges for this year's number four pick, and then they get their own pick back next season. Now, 
you might be asking yourself, well, that might be an underpay for Mikhail Bridges, right? Because, you know, the Nets wanted four first-rounders for Mikhail Bridges at the trade deadline. Look, all first-rounders are not created equal. You know, getting four firsts from Mikhail Bridges if they're all like, you know, late 20s from a team that's a championship contender is not the same as getting the fourth overall pick and then having control of your own destiny to be able to bottom out next season and guarantee yourself yet another top selection. I don't necessarily see the Brooklyn Nets being willing to trade their best player, Mikhail Bridges, unless they're able to bottom out and tank moving forward. If you're the Rockets... That might seem like a steep price to pay to be able to move up effectively one spot in the draft lottery. But again, if you identify, if you can identify Scoot Henderson as your target, as the guy that you think is is the difference maker, then you do it. That is a small price to pay to be able to guarantee having Scoot Henderson. In fact, I would go way more overboard than that. I would be willing to add more of the Brooklyn Nets draft capital, right? You could remove the swap rights on 2025 or 2027. You could also maybe include the 2026 pick outright, maybe with some protections on it. There's a lot of different variations of this trade that you could accomplish, but it works for the Blazers because all they give up is the number three pick and they get a you know, borderline star caliber 3 and D wing in Mikhail Bridges to help run it back with Damian Lillard. That is a insane get for just the number three overall pick. And then again for the Rockets, makes a lot of sense. So, you know, this is just one of many, many different trade ideas that we're going to have over the course of the next month or so. But what it highlights here is that the Rockets do have flexibility and options with pick number four. Pick number four was always going to be the pick that came with the most question marks, you know, the most discussions about, okay, well, what are they going to do with it? Do they draft it? Do they just hold on to it? Are they content with whoever shows up at pick number four? Do they try to trade up to pick number two or pick number three? Do they trade back? Maybe they're just not super impressed with any of the available talent at pick number four. Maybe Amon Thompson is not their guy. Maybe they're willing to trade back for, uh, a Cam Whitmore or a Cason Wallace type, you know, an Anthony Black. I, I don't know. They could trade back for any number of the guys kind of in that next tier and recoup additional assets along the way. And here's the last one. And this was the one that we kind of talked about a lot leading up to the draft lottery is they could just outright trade that pick. They could, they could go try and get Mikhail Bridges themselves with that number four overall pick, right? Forget Scoot Henderson, forget Amon Thompson, forget drafting another young guy. They could go get an immediate impact guy themselves with that number four overall pick being the centerpiece of the trade. Maybe they go pursue a Mikhail Bridges. Maybe if Jalen Brown doesn't actually get that Supermax extension with Boston and he's on the table, maybe that's the centerpiece of your Jalen Brown trade and you go pick him up instead. The Rockets have an infinite amount of options here with pick number four. Nothing is set in stone moving forward. And honestly, that's where a lot of this optimism comes from. Because at least so far this offseason, the Rockets have done a pretty decent job of setting themselves up for long-term success. And like I said at the end of segment one, I mean, right now, the onus is now on the front office to... Like, the onus is on Rafael Stone to do some serious GMing. 
And we knew going into this offseason that this was going to be a make-or-break offseason for the Houston Rockets and setting themselves up for long-term future success. And being thrown in this position with pick number four where there's not a guarantee, oh, just take this player, boom, draft this guy, easy situation. Or where you're at maybe pick number six and you're like, okay, well, you could just, you know, just take it, draft the guy, stash him. You know, you don't have to start them right away. Bring them along slowly. Pick number four is the one where you're on the precipice of like, okay, well, what do we do with it? And because of that, because of so many of the options at hand for the Rockets, I'm overall cautiously optimistic. After after getting over the initial disappointment and frustration that Wimby landed in San Antonio, God, they couldn't, they just couldn't send him east, man. Like, if you weren't going to say, if if the Rockets weren't going to get him, you couldn't just send him to an Eastern Conference team. Like, you couldn't let the the Hornets get him or or the Pacers or the Wizards. Like, that would have been awesome because then he would have been far away from Houston. But no, they just had to tuck him away in the Southwest Conference because now you got Wimby in San Antonio. You got Luka in Dallas. You got Zion in New Orleans. You got Jaw in Memphis. Well, Jaw in Memphis might not matter with his whole, you know, gun fiasco situation that's you know kind of tbd on how all that plays out and then zion can't stay healthy and luca might not be in dallas much longer depending on how much they keep uh screwing the pooch on putting a competent team around him so now the more that i think about it it's actually not as bad as i previously envisioned but that is our initial reaction oh and i was getting ready to shut things down final point here uh this has a lot of ramifications for the whole James Harden debacle, right? The the whole James Harden debate uh, as to like whether or not they bring him back, right? How does this factor into that, right? How does the number four overall pick factor into what they may or may not do with regards to bringing a James Harden type back, right? If, are they content with if they've got like a guarantee from James Harden, which the Sixers fired Doc Rivers, and apparent per reports, like that's that was the biggest issue with James is James did not get along with Doc Rivers. Those two did not see eye to eye on anything. And there are some really strong some really strong reporting out there that suggests that Mike D'Antoni might be a possible candidate to replace Doc Rivers in Philadelphia. And we know that Mike D'Antoni is James Harden's guy. So maybe James Harden just stays put in Philadelphia and the Rockets don't have like that safety valve anymore coming up in free agency. But that's the other angle to consider is what moves do you make? What decisions do you make with this number four overall pick as it relates to whether or not you also can bank on or not bank on having James Harden coming back in free agency? A lot, a lot. It's like a it's like a house of cards ready to come tumbling down at any moment, but there's so many different avenues, so many different pathways. This is just the initial reaction to it. And again, my takeaway, and I hope that Maybe you feel a little bit better after listening to today's episode that the Rockets have a lot of ways to build and be good moving forward out of this number four overall pick. Again, getting Wimby would have been sweet, but the Rockets are still in a really amazing spot, all things considered, after the three years of what they went through and going into phase two here in the not-so-distant future. So with that, 
That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing where you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, the good, the bad, how you're feeling after this fourth overall pick. Are you feeling better after the episode? I hope so, because I feel pretty confident moving forward, and I want you to feel that same level of confidence. So with that, thank you so much for checking out the show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.